rabbit. Four. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why the fuck did all you guys stick around that place? Well, me? I have me an investigation to run, remember? The old bat's missing and we think Zoot's got something to do with it? Yeah. On top of surviving hell, I had to play Sam Spade. But for the rest of them schmucks? I think that's a fair question. First of all, them gray tracksuits was the ugliest things I'd ever wore. Hot and itchy, too. And they didn't do justice to nobody's figures. On top of all that, it wasn't like the powers that be went out of the ways to make us feel welcome. What with all the yelling and the torture and the beheadings and whatnot. In fact, you wouldn't be the only one thinking it wasn't worth it. Because on the night of the day that Zoo cut Fuck You's head off, three bloody bastards, a champ and a chump, tried to run away. Wasn't too tough to do and neither, run away. Zoot didn't post no guards nowhere, and the only obstacle to getting out was the fact that ain't nobody knew where he was. All you had to do was wait until two or three in the morning, wrench open one of the side doors, and walk out, which was exactly what they'd done. But if the running away wasn't the problem, the escaping was. The most important one. Maybe them guys got far, maybe they didn't. All I know is that they was back the next morning. Well, most of them was. Here's what happened. The goons woke us up at about 13 past way too fucking early by blasting Frank Sinatra, which, when you think about it, is its own form of torture. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm just as loyal a fan of old Blue Eyes as the next guy, but you try getting woke to the climax of That's Life with the horns and the drums and the warbling backup singers and see how much you like it. Nobody noticed nobody missing at that point. And even if we did, we was all too busy being pissed off to care. But then the goons herded us out the door on the way to Chow, screaming, banging on trash cans, the usual D.I. stuff. And what do you think greeted us right outside? Zoot's bloody axe leaning up against the last in a line of pine box coffins. And inside them coffins stood the corpses of the dumb schmucks who tried to escape the night before. It was actually kind of thoughtful. What wasn't so thoughtful was what they did to their heads, which is to say they didn't have no heads no more. Well, they did, but they was just tucked under each dead guy's arm like a helmet or something. Actually, never mind. That really was kind of thoughtful, considering what they could have done instead. Nobody said nothing as we passed by. We didn't need to. The message was clear enough. And you know what? That wasn't even the reason the rest of us didn't scram, even if it was a pretty persuasive argument not to. I mean, you know my situation. And maybe BG blackmailed some of them other schmucks similar. But the rest of them didn't leave because, well, look. On the one hand, you got novelty, and then there's boredom. Think about it. More than a few of us was older than baseball. One or two rode rough with Teddy Roosevelt. I was a kid compared to them guys, and I was pushing 70. But there's only so much life a body can take, so much killing a fucking he can do, so much booze he can drink, so much vengeance he can slake. Death was on the docket for most, the suicide solution. Eat a bullet, slit a throat, take the old skyscraper plunge or dance the extension cord boogie. But even more wasn't quite ready to give up the ghost just yet no matter how empty life got or how deep into the vortex it settled. Some of my fellow recruits had already been fading away for years, lazing back in their lumpy recliners day after day, barely moving, not talking to a soul, thinking about all the death and destruction they'd caused and not feeling good about it, their minds a jambalaya of regret and pain, wishing for a chance to do it again without all the misery, wondering what they'd done to deserve such a punishment. Maybe they suffered themselves an existential crisis. Maybe they was depressed. But I like to think they were searching for the answer to the age-old question, what do you get grandma for Christmas when she's got everything she needs? Apparently, crucifixion, starvation, and decapitation, followed by BT. Now that, that was interesting. More interesting than any of the other options. 
So they stayed. And Zoot tried to kill us to death with cardio. The problem was that none of us was really expecting it. The cardio, not the killing to death. The algebra wasn't difficult to calculate. Barracks times X over crappy mess hall food equals military training. And military training is pure torture. And torture us they did. Three times a day, every day, morning, afternoon, and night. With an extra session thrown in at midnight every now and then to keep us off balance. They loved to run us on that gravel drive that spanned the length of the forest we wasn't allowed to go into. And let me tell you, them trees upset me. Made me jumpy, like something was in there, watching. Running next to that forest felt like watching a spider dangling over a sleeping baby's mouth. It was always on our right, too, that forest, no matter how many figure eights and button hooks we ran. And when they got sick of running us in one direction, they ran us in the other. And that friggin' forest was still on the right. I couldn't reconcile that one. Ain't no harmony that fit it, like toothpaste and orange juice. Not that I needed to worry about it, at least not yet. Some things you just gotta accept. And if the forest that should have been on the left was on the right, well, then on the right it was. To mix things up, they run us backward. Then there was the wind sprints, the 200s, the 50s, the 400s. They made us jump on boxes, sprint up and down hills, and every day in between that, a five-miler. Christ on a crutch. But you know who loved it all? The Tlek. Goon said run, they run. Goon said give me a thousand sit-ups, and a thousand sit-ups was given. It was like they was born for this shit. And the fighting, holy shit with the fighting. Hand-to-hand, foot-to-foot, dick-to-dick. It was fun for them. they gouge out eyes and bite off digits. Craziest thing was that none of them took it personal. Two of them would get into it, punch each other's nuts off, and as soon as it was over, they'd be shaking hands and patting backs, even with each other's blood dripping down their chins. This shit was fucked up. Wildcat, though, she did not enjoy her time in hell at all. We had us some other chicks in the barracks, and some of them wasn't bad to look at. But now the Wildcat had recovered from Golgotha, I gotta say, she was hot. And when you're hot, you draw unwanted attention. Wildcats was drew in the form of some CBCK schmuck named Artie. I knew his name was Artie because he talked about himself in the third person all the time. Artie this and Artie that. Friggin' moron. For some reason, though, Artie didn't harass Wildcat about her hotness. He just took a dislike to her from the start, and I don't know why. The first time we ever went for a run, he horned in on her and started yelling, Hey, you! Artie knows you! Beaver, right? No, Squealer! Where's my fucking sword, you bitch? Wildcat had probably fought off horny bastards worse than him all the time. But still, a guy like that saying things like that to a woman like that? Don't make it comfortable for nobody, especially the woman. So when Adi yelled at her, she went blank in the face, clammed up tighter than a witch's clam. Looked sick, too, like she was about to puke or something. Playing the mouse didn't help her none, though. Guys like Adi see that, and they pounce like a wolf on a burrito. You don't got no hot sauce with you now, do ya? He said. Adi's gonna fuck you up good. Wildcat pulled father away and he yelled, Artie, don't let shit like that lie. You'll see. You'll see. A couple of his friends held him back saying, Calm down, Artie. You know what that bitch did to me? And they dragged him off, hauling him to the back of the pack. But he kept jawing away. Send me over there to find this fucking thing and give it to her. And so I found it and... I pulled up next to Wildcat. Hey, don't worry about that guy, I said. I got your back if he... She still looked stricken, but she acted all tough and said, Fuck off, I don't need it. But oh, she certainly did. Because that night, in the cool dark of the barracks, as we all fell off into the black twists of our nightmares, Adi and his friends crept through the bunks and surrounded her on all sides. Adi's here, Squealer, Adi said. He dropped a sock with a bar of soap in it by his side. Unfortunately for them, it woke me up. What the fuck, I said. 
Adi whipped that sack over his head and it thudded on my chest. It hurt predictable, took the wind right out of me. But then he and his friends did the same to Wildcat. Over and over. Busted her up real good. Bruised ribs, bruised lungs, bruised legs. And when they was done, Adi knelt down next to her and said, Don't fuck with Adi. You got that, Squealer? Wildcat tried to push through the pain the next day, but she just couldn't do it. I wish I could say that she laughed in the faces, but she didn't. She lagged behind the whole morning, barely able to function. Before you go judging her, you think you're so tough? You try it. Seriously. Wake yourself up at three in the morning, beat yourself silly with soap in a sock, and see how far you can run the next day. One of the goon gods, Bruno, he's seen it, though. He didn't say nothing during training, but that night after chow, he came stalking into the barracks like someone just fucked his cat. He and his goons went through their routine, shouting and screaming and banging on shit until we was all up and standing at attention at the end of our bunks. Wildcat was green with pain, but she did her best to hold the pose. And once it quieted down, Bruno took the stage. Listen up. Seems like some of you think you can do whatever you please around here. Seems like some of you think you're in charge of your own destiny. Well, guess what? You are sorely, sorely mistaken. Let's make one thing clear. As long as you're in hell, you belong to me. Every last one of you is mine. Property of Bruno P. Huntington Esquire. And I don't like people touching my shit without my permission. You touch my shit without my permission, I'll rip your eyes out. You touch my shit without my permission, I'll tear your lungs out. How's it? How's it? He stared us down. Now I'm going to give you one chance and one chance only. If anybody here knows who done what they done to, I pointed down the road at Adi and his friends. They did it, I said. Them fucks down there. Adi came at me like a bulldog yelling, you motherfucker. There's all kinds of stupid decisions. From fuck I overspent to fuck I fingered my sister. But reacting that way when you're accused of something, that's fuck I fucked a cat stupid. And there ain't no worse stupid than cat fucking stupid. The first thing Bruno done was clothesline the guy. Seriously. I think Adi thought he was going to be able to do something to me. But the second he started his bum rush, Bruno jumped into action, stalked down the line, aiming right for him, and at the last second, he stuck out his forearm and took him out. Adi went down like a wet sack, clawing at his throat. Who else? Bruno screamed. I want names. Well, shit, Bruno. You want names? I'll give you names. In the end, there were six more bodies stood up in pine boxes the next morning. Zoots Ichabod Crane All-Stars. Wildcat strolled up and down the line, looking at each one. She had that key that wasn't a key in her hand again and was flipping it between her fingers. I watched her for a bit before I approached. What's that? I asked. She stuffed it in her sweatpants pocket, quick and guilty. That guy. Who, Adi? Don't worry about him. He was an asshole. Got what he deserved. Yeah, but... But what? He said he knew me. I never saw him before in my life and... Do you remember anything? About what? About before. Before we got here? Sure. She hugged herself then, the fingers of her right hand tracing the brand on her left shoulder. I don't, she said. All I know is I woke up here on that scaffold. Huh. Well, that sucks. You got you a bad case of the anemia. She didn't say nothing, just stood there. And after a while, I got the sense that she didn't want me hanging around, so I left her alone. She healed up fast. Wreck of time, I'd say. The rest of us didn't do as great. By the end of the second week, guys started pulling muscles, popping ACLs, and by the end of the third week, reality set in. Half of us couldn't barely move no more. 
The rest just flat out didn't. Pain's got a purpose, you know. It's the body's way of saying, knock that shit off. Only problem was, Bruno wouldn't let nobody knock nothing off. Screamed himself hoarse trying to get us to produce. And we tried, but there's only so much a guy could do when his pots don't work proper. The body don't give a shit about nothing but the body. It don't give a shit about politics. It don't give a shit about sports. And it certainly don't give a shit about a guy like Bruno P. Huntington Esquire. Once that left ankle popped, the overcompensation set in. And once the overcompensation set in, there ain't much more time before that right ankle popped too. And that's what happened to us. One by one, the bunks emptied out. And one by one, more pine boxes met us on the way to morning grub. Freaked everybody the fuck out, I'll tell you what. Nobody wanted to get injured in the first place, you know. But when the penalty for tweaking a calf muscle was decapitation, you better believe the stakes went from high to, oh, fuck. Them goons didn't make it no easier on us, neither. One day after morning sprints, one of them came up to a pugly, stretching the hip flexors on the lawn. I tell you to do that? The pugly, true to form, popped up from a stretch, ready to fight. No, you didn't tell me to do this. You don't think I know what's going on here? I spring a hammy and it's... It ain't your hammy you need to worry about, the goon said, twirling his baton. It's your knee. Ain't nothing wrong with my knee. Snake bite fast, the goon cracked his baton on the pugly's knee, and the pugly crumbled predictable, screaming, holding said knee. There is now, the goon said. Then he sauntered away, twirling his baton and laughing. Some other goons hauled the pugly away, and the next morning, you guessed it, she was stood up in the pine, head tucked up under one arm. Shit like that happened every now and then, capricious-like, but mostly the injuries came natural. Numbers dropped so low that they started combining companies. My platoon went from 30 to 15, so they moved us over to another barracks, which dropped down to 15 again, so they moved us into another one. Of the original 300 or so who watched Fuck You Get His Nut Knocked Off, maybe one-third still took breath. Fortunately for whoever survived, by the time week four rolled around, we was all of us healed up. No soreness, no strains, no sprains. And as for me, I don't think I've been in that good shape since never. One night at the end of the first month, I got the feeling sick. No reason why. Maybe it was something I ate. Maybe I caught a bug. Long story short, I rolled out of my bunk at about three in the morning and, knowing that there was no way I'd make it to the head in time, did the vomit trot out the front door, ran around the back of the barracks, and puked my guts out. I was just about to head back to bed when I heard two people arguing out on the lawn. Watch your head, dumbass. Shit, sorry. Sorry ain't gonna cut it if we bring her in damaged. What does it matter anyway? They're just doing what they're doing. Yeah, but shit's fucked up if you ask me. Yeah, well, nobody asked you. I waited a second before I peeked around the corner. Two goons was carrying a center from my barracks between them, heading towards HQ. And they kept bickering like that until I couldn't hear them no more. BG's words rang in my ear. We think Zoot's got something to do with it. Well, yeah, BG. Zoot had something to do with something. But what it was, I had no idea. The center them two goons was carrying was one of our fastest runners. Delmonico Stake. She was true blue. Never showed no signs of desertion. They'd knocked her out, obviously. Dark thoughts clouded my mind, and the red veil descended. But then the reality of my situation set in. There wasn't nothing I could do. I mean, I guess I could have blasted them two guys, rescued the girl, but then what? Take her back to the barracks? We tried to escape, and it'd be her and me in the pine when the sun came up. But I couldn't just let something like this slide. And like I said all along, I'm a creeper and a sneaker, so I did what I did best. I creeped and I sneaked. Wasn't too difficult, even in the light of the full moon. The goons was too busy huffing and puffing across the lawn to take notice, so I just kept the trees that outlined the lawn. 
and whenever they took a break, I hid. Followed them all the way to the HQ behind Zoot's stage, where they swung around back to a door with a single bare light bulb hanging over it. I squatted in the bushes while they knocked. Think he's there? One said. He's always there. That old guy gives me the creeps. Join the club. I tell you what me and Gus caught him doing in one of them corpsicles. Just then I heard the door creak open, and a different voice, old and gravelly, said, You got the soup? Uh, yeah, the first goon said. We got the soup. I told you to wait until five. So we're a little early. The fuck you care? I have the stock, the lentils and beans. I have the onions, the bouillon. I am not ready for the meat. Well, we are. A long, uncomfortable pause followed. Eventually, the gravelly voice said, Okay. The two goons grunted as they picked the girl up, and I heard the door close. Okay, that was weird enough. But when I turned around to head back to the barracks, the front door opened, and out onto the front porch stepped none other than Zoot and Bruno. I hunkered down in the bushes. Zoot was already yelling as he left, gesturing with a lit cigar. Don't give a flying fuck how you feel about it, Bruno. In case you ain't noticed, we got ourselves a glory hole's worth of problems more important than your feelings. The deserters and the washouts I understand, Bruno said. They was dead meat anyway. I'd rather it be them than watch one of my guys get killed trying to compensate for one of their sorry asses. But these guys? They've been born again hard. The fuck does it matter? They're all cooked cocks. We need cold cuts. That might be easy for you to say, but I work with these people every day. Get it through your head, Bruno. They ain't people. Never was. They're fodder. We send them poor schmucks into the swamp, and they get slaughtered. Them things is thanking us for it, too. We send hot meat out there, we might as well be giving them incubators and permission to fuck us all in the ass. Bruno didn't say nothing. Then I heard him sigh. It ain't right. You know it ain't. You know what ain't right? Them things taking over the fucking world, that's what ain't right. You want to stop them? This is the best way to do it. 20 of my guys could do more damage than an entire horde of the things he turns them into. Yeah, and all 20 would be infected before it was all over, and it wouldn't mean shit. Yeah, but there ain't no yeah buts. It's my decision to make. No, it ain't. No offense, but I don't recall you clearing this with the council. Because I don't think they'd like this plan at all. In fact, I think they'd have some serious issues with what you're doing. The council don't know shit from shit. You know that. They ain't fought these things. They ain't seen what they can do. Cue uncomfortable pause. You know I agree with you, Zoot. A little. But this wasn't the deal. You said run them harder, so I ran them harder. You said wash more of them out, so I washed more of them out. But this is murder. Six to one, half dozen to another. The fuck's that supposed to mean? Potato, potato. Jesus, fuck, Zoot. Speak English. You know what your problem is, Bruno? For all the wars you fought, you don't know fuck all about war. You think there's rules? You think there's valor? I got news for you. War don't give a shit about rules. War don't give a shit about valor. You know what war cares about? War. Blood. Carnage. Whoever wins, wins, and there ain't no such thing as a fair way to do it. You want to kick your enemy in the balls? Kick him in the balls. You want to pop his eyes out with your thumbs? Pop his eyes out with your thumbs. War's just happy you showed up. You seriously trying to lecture me about war, Zoot? I've been to war. It's the reason you asked me to do this in the first place. But this ain't what I signed up for. Well, whatever you think you signed up for, you made it up in your head. They looked out over the lawn. Bruno angry and brooding. Zoot smug, smoking his cigar. Look, Bruno said. We got a month until the battle royale, right? 
The whole council's going to be there. All the bigwigs, all the chiefs. Let me get them through weapons training and, hello, you been listening? There ain't going to be any of them left for weapons training. Zoot. Zoot nothing. I'm tired of this piecemeal bullshit. The old man wants them all at once. Once we get the numbers down enough where we can handle them, I told him yes. The council's thinking conventional, and there ain't nothing conventional about this. They need to see what the old man's horde can do. I stocked the Coliseum's maze with some choice specimens. When the battle royale comes around, we'll show them exactly how this war's going to be won. I didn't have time to listen anymore. The basement door squeaked open, and I had to jet before the goons caught me out there. I hightailed it back to the barracks and crawled into my bunk. Couldn't sleep a wink, though. The only thing I could think was, we're fucked. We're fucked. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Don't forget to check out LilithFilm.com, jamesknoll.net forward slash BG, and you can support this show for as little as $1 on Patreon.com. It's Patreon.com forward slash Mad Tales. You guys rock. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.